When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. He's Al Sacco. I'm Brian Rennick, and we are thrilled to be joined by friend of the show, Friend of ascending superstar Steph, San- Steph Sanchez, the Nick Bosa impor- impersonator, uh, hosting a pod with her on the Gold Standard Network. We got Jason Aponte here with us. Jason, thanks for joining us, bud. Not a problem. Anything for you guys. You know I love you, Al, Brian, and, you know, 49ers Web Zone alum. You know that I got you guys anytime that you need it. But, Jay, now all it. you are, apparent, all he is now apparently is Steph's co-host from the way Brian that's, just introduced. That's, that's, right. that's all you are. That's, right. that's it. You got nothing else hey, in hey. your life. You got nothing else going on. It's, 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 it. it's hard. It's hard to beat what Steph has going on. First John Lynch, then Nick Bosa, Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football. I am so stoked for Steph. I love her, man. Yeah, that's yeah, very that's cool. Awesome. Jay, you got stuff going on, though, too, buddy. You just told us something kind of exciting you're doing before we popped on. Why don't you tell everybody else about it? Yeah, thanks. I, I am hosting a... Watch party at Underdogs Cantina, 128 King Street in San Francisco. Um, and it's going to be streamed live on the Bleacher Report app where you can watch us go through the emotions. If you feel like turning off <laughs> Romo and uh, Nance, which I don't know why you would, because I think they're great. Um, and watch me go through it and yell a bunch of let's goes and just like, you know, uh, you know, or we're back or it's over. You know, all those things that you go through the emotions you know, check out the Bleacher Report app if you can't make it. But come on down to Underdogs Cantina if you can in San Francisco and watch the game with us. That's awesome, it. man. Good for good for you. If it wasn't on the other Thank side you. of the country, I, I would be there. But I'm happy for you, man. <laughs> All right, you guys. I want to start out with this. Obviously, I mean, it's it's the fucking Super Bowl. We have so much that we can talk about. But I feel Whew. like the, the first thing for me that just stuck out, like, as I'm thinking about this game, you know, there's the Purdy story and there's just all this stuff, right? But for me on the 49ers, this is a Kyle Shanahan legacy game, and I'll explain why. So Kyle right now, when you look at what he's accomplished, we know he's had you know all the 10-1 seasons lately, but his postseason record, he has eight playoff wins already. He has a 727 postseason winning percentage, which is, which is the highest of any active coach. He's made four of the last five conference title games, and he's one of four active head coaches with you know Belichick and Carroll retiring or whatever they're doing. Um, not coaching right now, I should say. Andy Reid, um, Sean McVay, and Mike Tomlin are the other three. So one of four active head coaches with multiple Super Bowl appearances. He's going to be the 26th head coach in NFL history to have multiple Super Bowl appearances. Of the other 25, only four haven't won at least once. And that's John Fox, Marv Levy, Dan Reeves, and and Bud Grant. So for all we're talking about, all the storylines and everything, I just feel if Kyle wins this game, he ascends to elites of the elite, like top two or three. Maybe we're talking Hall of Fame for him if he gets this title as he continues to go on. If he doesn't, a lot of the doubts creep back in, you know, depending on not how they would lose if he doesn't. But there's been a lot of things where he can't finish it. You know, he gets blamed for the Atlanta 28-3 to 
blowing lead, even though he was just offensive coordinator. He wasn't that coach. He They blew a 10-point lead in 2019, so it could shift the other way for him. But there's just so much on the line for him because he gets this W, guys. I just think he ascends to, you're talking top, what, two, three coaches maybe in the league right now? Uh, yeah, honestly, Jay, Jay, yeah, yeah, no, you're good. Honestly, this is the thing. It's 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 very hard to win Super Bowls in this league, right? I, I want I want to make sure we reiterate that, and that's not like something that's mm-hmm. like some mind-boggling big brain thing. But if not now, when? When you have the offensive player right. of the year, and you've got George yep. Kittle in his best season, and you've got a, a guy who's operating the offense in the same way that Matt Ryan was when you were the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. By the way, I don't understand why Kyle gets all the blame. That defense needed to get one stop, and Dan Quinn was the head coach, and he just skates by. I, I, I no mm-hmm. one ever blames Dan Quinn for that one. Oh, the but, Patriots you know, had two hundred and one yards in the fourth quarter. Two hundred and one in the fourth quarter. It's it's Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. You know, it's definitely Kyle Shanahan. Um, I mean, it. This is a big one, and I think again, if not now, when? And I think that's kind of the sentiment that I've been and going into this with. And from everything that I've seen, from everything that's been going on this postseason, he's been knocking off narratives. Let's knock off the narrative that, you know, the goalpost move. Well, it wasn't six points it's seven points. Well, it's not seven. It's like 10 now, uh, you know, that you got to come back in the fourth quarter. Newsflash, usually when you're down double digits in the fourth quarter, you don't win. doesn't matter what coach you are, especially in the playoffs, right? Like that's something that we need to reiterate. Mm-hmm. But there's one more narrative to knock off. Just one more. One more. And the funny part is, is the coach across from him suffered from yeah. the same sort of criticism and thoughts. Great coach, great offensive mind. Couldn't get it done. Time, time management. This this sounds like the the parallels are there. And funny enough, Andy Reid gets the monkey off his back against Kyle Shanahan when he finally gets a quarterback that can execute. Kind of feels like it's lining up right now for Kyle Shanahan that way. So I guess the best way to put it is if not now, when? And I think this is the prime opportunity. Roll through the playoffs on, you know, as the number one seed. Not rolled, but I mean, you were the number one seed. You didn't have to travel. You have all these mm-hmm. weapons. You're as healthy as you're going to be. You know, uh, thank God, you know, today at 641 on the East Coast, we haven't heard anything about the practice field, um, you know, affecting the team in any way. But if not now, when? If not now, when? Yeah, you know, I think I think the big thing is this feels, you know, Al and I have talked all season that this feels like the, the 49ers year. This feels like the season for them. And, you know, I think it is fitting that the guy across the sidelines from him is is Andy Reid, because like you said, Jay, Kyle Shanahan is is experiencing the Andy the Philadelphia Andy Reid experience right now where you know he is lauded as uh, an offensive play calling genius you know he's got this coaching tree that is you know seeding a, the the rest of the NFL and he's getting his team to you know for the last 5 NFC championship games and he just hasn't been able to get over the hump, the hump being winning the Super Bowl. Now, he's made it to the Super Bowl twice now, where Andy Reid with Philadelphia only made it the one time and lost. And then Andy Reid had to go to Kansas City, and when he got his quarterback, then he won. My hope is that Kyle's not on the same track because he's on our team, and I don't want him to win with his second team. But like you said, Andy won when he got his quarterback and it certainly feels like Kyle, regardless of, of how you felt about Trey Lance, all of that situation, it certainly feels like Kyle Shanahan has found his guy, his guy to operate this offense the way that he wants it operated. And 
it's like you said, it's if, if not now, when, and, and I think the other unique thing about this Super Bowl matchup is it's essentially flipped from Super Bowl 54 and that the 49ers come in with the dynamic high scoring explosive offense and, and at a defense that theoretically should be better than it has shown in the playoffs, just based on talent alone. Uh, And then the, the chiefs are the ones coming in with, a defense that has really showed out as the best defense in the postseason, and it's just an interesting, an interesting dynamic. And we all know how it worked out in '54. The team with the better offense won, and 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 spoiler alert, I, th- I think that's going to happen again this season. But yeah, this is this is a a career defining moment for Kyle Shanahan, and if they do not win this Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know what next season looks like. It's hard to get back. It's hard to win. It's hard to do all of that. Um, and it's just Kyle Shanahan has meant so much to the NFL during this, this stint with the Falcons and now the 49ers in terms of evolving offense that it just seems right for him to have at least one Super Bowl. And I think this is the year. And I think that's what scares me, Brian. That's a good point. Like it, it's so hard to get back in we've been spoiled in the sense that they keep getting to the doorstep. I mean, it's been a kick in the balls every time they get there, but they keep getting to the doorstep. So we've been spoiled in that. Oh yeah, they'll be back next year, but things got to break right. I mean, they had a lot of breaks this year to, to get back there. That's a little bit scary. As I'm thinking about Kyle's legacy, I'm also thinking about the legacy of the guys on the team, because these are beloved players, absolutely beloved on this team, whether it's Kittle or Trent Williams or Bosa or Purdy or Debo, whoever McCaffrey, like these are beloved Niners. And you look at the Harbaugh year guys, also beloved, Frank Gore, Patrick Willis, Justin Smith. You don't meet a Niner fan that doesn't have any good things to say about them. Joe Staley, guys like that. But those guys didn't get a title the way Montana, Craig, and Rice did, who, who reached that legendary status. And I just think for this team, you know, I wanted it so bad for, for the Harbaugh team. And the same thing for this. I think fans, th- these are players that fans really attach themselves to. They seem like good guys for the most part, you know, good locker room guys, a good core group. I think for their legacy too, it's so hard to get back. This year means so much. This game is just for whatever reason, not that any other game wasn't gigantic. It felt like the window for the core was maybe open a little bit more in 2019. And okay, we'll be back this year. It feels like it's still open for another year or two, but it's not as open as it it would have been a couple years back just because of their age and things like that. So huge man so yeah jay i mean just for the legacy of these guys you know these players that we've come to love you want it for them too yeah and you start to look around the nfc and you start to see who's creeping up on you i mean look at the green bay packers and what they've been able to build so quickly and and then you look at the detroit lions which i love what dan campbell said after that nfc championship Mm -hmm. game like guys we might not get back here i think that is a way to instill urgency because i've i despise and and i i'm gonna i don't like using the other word i despise the whole we'll be back thing will you well it takes so many things for you to get back health other teams health um some luck there's definitely luck involved in in the super bowl which is why i feel a little bit different about this one because there were some breaks that went the 49ers way usually they don't go their way like that in those games you know you have the the helmet catch you know the off of the face mask usually that goes the other way and when you look Mm -hmm. down the line at champions you can point to moments where you're like man they have no business being in the super bowl or they have no business winning that game And you know what? You need a little bit of that. And that's where I kind of am right now with this. So, yeah, absolutely. And then how long can you keep? You know, let's let's face it. Aside from Hufunga, the 49ers really skated by without with very little injury problems, very little. And that is something we are not accustomed to. 
Are you going to bet on that again next year? Especially mm-hmm. when guys getting up there in age, then you start to look at the numbers. You got to start thinking about restructures. Who's, who can stay? Who can go? You have first-round picks again. Right now, you have an opportunity with 60 minutes of football. If you play your best game and you play the, the, the game that you can play, you have a chance to n- kick all that down the road. And you know what? Whatever happens, you can at least say, hey, we won this one. This one definitely feels bigger. And I love Brian's point about how it's flipped. The Chiefs have turned from like this one play explosive offense to dinking and dunking you to hell, which is what they try to say that Brock Purdy is. And that's hilarious Mm -hmm. to me because anybody (laughs) who's watched the Chiefs now, they are literally dink, dunk, dink, dunk, get to the 20. And then from there, it's backyard football and and it's Kelsey Emma Holmes. Right. And that's hilarious to me because that's what was funny in that Super Bowl 54, 17 targets for Tyreek Hill. Who's the Tyreek Hill now? Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Yeah, well, good luck. Maybe he'll catch a pass this time. It's just it's it's scary to see how they, they're they able to find a new way to win because the defense is ahead of the offense, and then you still have that guy. So I think that's really funny, too, the way that they've kind of flipped, and the 49ers have now flipped into the offensive-defense thing. I think that's a great point, Brian. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean – it's it's hard as 49er fans because we're so used to living and dying by that defense and and I think as a fan base we really took pride in the fact that our defense was absolutely going to kick your team's ass and now it's it's flipped and it's it's our offense that is going to kick your team's ass and um it's just been difficult watching this offense just fall on their face in the first half in the first two games of of, of the postseason and then look at what the the Chiefs did against the Ravens and go, listen, like this is not the Green Bay Packers defense. This is not the Detroit Lions defense. If you get down multiple scores against this Chiefs defense, it's going to be difficult to come back. And so Mm -hmm. they're going to need to come out just firing on all cylinders. And uh, it's certainly my hope that whatever, whatever they, what, whatever self-scouting they did, whatever game planning they did, they recognize, Hey, you know what? This is, this is a game. Like you said, Jason, 60 minutes for the rest of your life, right? I know it's cliche. You know, you hear it in football uh, movies all the time, but that's really where we're at. And as long as as long as they can play up to their potential on both sides of the ball, um, you know, most people are picking the Chiefs, and I get it. You know, it's really what they're doing is they're picking Patrick Mahomes, and I understand that. You know, and I think that – I think it's recency bias, right? You watch what – what they did against the Ravens who many people thought and, and and probably rightfully so were the best team in the NFL. And then the chiefs went into their house and, you know, shut them down and, and, and won a, a, a pretty ugly game, 17 to 10. And then the 49ers who in the first half look like they don't belong at all against the lions and then come out and score, you know, 17 unanswered uh, or 24 unanswered. Uh, and end up winning that game and you go oh yeah well obviously it's the Chiefs but the 49ers come in as a better team you know like overall they are a better team the the Chiefs have a better quarterback but the 49ers have the better team and the 49ers are coming in as only the second team since the 2020 Chiefs to to come into every game that season as the betting favorite because they're still the betting favorite in the Super Bowl. And so that's 20 games for the 49ers in in this season where they've been the betting favorite. Only second time it's ever happened. So, you know, it's I understand not wanting to look stupid by by betting against Mahomes, but this is a team game and as much as Patrick Mahomes is inevitable, uh, 
there's other guys on that team that are gonna have to step up if the Chiefs are gonna are gonna win and and there's no telling if they will or not. Yeah, I, I gotta bring up my biggest concern with some of the things you just talked about, Brian, um, that you've heard me bitch about in the last two weeks, and I'm gonna ask Jay about it after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, my biggest concern, Jay, and I've been on this for, I don't know, what, two, three weeks now, maybe. When I look at this 49ers defense, really since mid-December, it's just looked like something's been off. They they just haven't looked like the Niners defense they're we're used to. And after the bye, I felt that way before the bye, too. They didn't look good against Minnesota. They got destroyed against the Bengals. And then they came back after the bye, and they looked like themselves, I thought, for five weeks or whatever it was. And then in that Cardinals game, that second half, the Cardinals run for 234 on them. I'm like, ah, oh, but I explained it away, right? It's, it's fine. They had a big lead. It doesn't matter. And then you have the Ravens game. Well, there were a lot of turnovers. They got put in bad position. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Then they play the Commanders, who are awful. And then you don't really play in week 17. It's basically with a preseason game. They get into the playoffs. They've gotten absolutely destroyed on the ground in the playoffs. They've given up, uh, what is it here, um, 318 yards in the two playoff games. Until Bosa and the NFC Championship game, they haven't really been getting home. And the way those games looked is in the first half, I mean, the Packers are going up and down the field. And then the Niners tightened up in the second half. The NFC Championship game, I mean, Bosa said it himself. It was embarrassing. You had effort issues. I mean, how do you have fucking effort issues? You shouldn't have them in October, let alone in, in the NFC Championship game. So that happens. And they got fortunate in the second half. Campbell makes some weird calls, some drop passes. They, they did get fortunate. So where I agree with Brian, Niners are the better overall team when you look at the roster. And I just kind of think it's the Niners year, as stupid as that sounds, but I do. But I can't explain away anymore. I can't get out of my head what I've watched the past month or so with the defense. And to me, I'm like, are we just glossing this over because we're so happy we're in the Super Bowl? Do you think there's real issues there or am I, or am I making too big a deal out of this? I think the issue is, is the things that we took for granted and set our watch to haven't been there. I mean, you look at this defensive line and then you add Chase Young, you, you're you thinking, oh my God, I mean, and then Armstead comes back, you're like, well, I mean, we're all the way back and this shouldn't be a problem. Regardless, I think the Packers and Lions have phenomenal offensive lines. So let's let's go through the, the playoffs. You can write off the play the the Packers game. Oh, they're slipping sliding everywhere, everywhere. Well, by the way, the only team that was slipping and sliding were the 49ers, not the Packers. That's funny, huh? And then the Lions, the Lions have a bunch of studs, right? Panay Sewell, Taylor Decker, you know, Ragnow. And even if they were missing their guard, they have an offensive line, right? And then you that's the part I think that scares me the most out is the effort thing. Like when I see Chase Young jogging, like in pursuit, and you just see Jameer Gibbs, he runs through an arm tackle, and you're Chase Young you have a chance to get yourself a bag. And I had heard the whispers from Washington people that he was someone who was lackadaisical. And I just said, ah, you know what? It's Washington. You guys got problems. Well, why is this popping up in the NFC Championship game? Mm -hmm. And I think you're right, Al. They are fortunate that Dan Campbell makes some baffling decisions, like kicking a field goal when when the defense can't stop you at halftime. And then when the defense is starting to gain momentum, now you want to go for it on fourth down? Like, I, I I don't understand that. And then you have the Jameer Gibbs fumble. Then you have, you know, the, the face mask um play, and you're in it. But the thing that we set our watch to was 
$20 million for almost every single guy on this defensive line. I need production. I don't, you know what? I'm a big pressures over sacks guy. I need production. I need sacks. Pressures are great and all. They can disrupt things. You can find yourself pressuring the quarterback and making a turnover worthy play or, and you know, make, having a turnover bounce off that. But you guys got to make your money in this game. You have to make your money in this game. I think the one thing that we were all worried about was the secondary. And then you turn around and Mooney Ward's an all pro this time. You know, it's Sean mm-hmm. Gibson solid. You know, you lose Hufunga. And I think that's a little bit of where we're kind of missing on run defense. And and I love Jair Brown. Yeah. I think he's going to be a fine player. But he does take some some strong angles. And he and he just he just misses a little bit. He's just a little over aggressive. But yeah, like the thing that we set our watch to and we thought we didn't have to worry about has turned into something like, where are you guys? Because mm. we all know there's the age-old thing, pass rush, coverage, what does what. Sometimes coverage turns into a pass rush. Sometimes pass rush, you know, covers up the coverage. I need that pass rush to be there, disrespectful, like in the quarterback's face all the time. You guys make far too much money, and I'm not a pocket watcher. You guys make far too much money to not have any production, and that's the part that scares me the most out. Yeah. And, and when you talk about pressures over sacks, I understand like a lot of times pressure is, is enough, especially against a quarterback like Jared Goff, right? Where if you move him off his spot by like five inches, he loses his mind, but you're going against literally the slipperiest quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know if he covers his uniform and baby oil or whatever the case may be, but this dude is an escape artist of the highest uh, regard and pressure isn't going to do it against Patrick Mahomes and you got to get home and, and you're going against a banged up offensive line. It sounds like Joe Tooney won't play, which is a big loss for the chiefs and their tackles have been pretty terrible this year. Juwan Taylor is the most penalized uh, player in the NFL over, uh, over the past eight seasons. He, uh, uh, he, was penalized the most this season since uh, 20, what, 20 or 2016. Um, So when Nick Bosa was like, they asked him, what do you notice about the offensive line? He says, they hold a lot. Well, yeah, that's Jawan Taylor. That's what he does. And you notice that he's not getting called in the playoffs because we know in the postseason that it, unless they're tackling you, it's, it's hard to get a holding call. So you got to take advantage of, of where Kansas city is weak this year just like the Bucs did in 2020 when they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They did it because the Chiefs' offensive line was banged up and Patrick Mahomes had no time. And, you know, you look at, you, you know, Jay, you said it earlier, this this offense that the Chiefs are running. Um, if you look at it just league-wide, it, it's most similar to what you were seeing in, in Jacksonville, if we're being perfectly honest. You know, an RPO-heavy uh, kind of dink and dunk, offense and you saw what this 49ers defense could do against an offense like that we need a performance like that you know Trevor Lawrence is not Patrick Mahomes I understand that and you know Travis Kelsey postseason Travis Kelsey is a nightmare but anybody else Isaiah Pacheco Rasheed Rice Marquez Valdez Scantling those are not guys that you should have to be worried about and if you are getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes and you are bringing him down, then you won't be worried about those guys. So this is a game on the defensive side that has to be defined by the defensive line. They have to show out. And if they don't, this defense is probably going to be in trouble because the only thing you can do to defend 
this type of offense that the Chiefs have been running, especially in the playoffs, is to tackle well. And they haven't been doing that. So mm -hmm. I don't want to rely on that. I want to rely on this defensive line eating and eating and eating and eating and leaving no crumbs because that's what's going to that's what's going to be the difference in my mind between a, a victory and a defeat. Yeah, I think the whole Hufunga thing is a great point. I don't think it's been talked about enough. I feel like there was a lot of complaining being done about him this year in his coverage. He wasn't having as good of a season. At the end of the day, the guy's still like a missile, you know, around the field and he still makes plays and he still had three interceptions and he's still good against the run. And, and they really do miss him. I saw a stat today too that scared me a little bit because, you know, Andy Reid, you know, might be the best offensive play caller in the game. Niners are ranked 26th in EPA per play against screen passes in the, during the regular season. Mm. Um, they also have trouble um, defending three tight end sets, which the Chiefs use. And the Niners disguise their coverage at the third lowest rate. And only the Jets and the Giants dis disguise it less. And when the Chiefs played the Jets, I think it was in week four. It was a close game. But the Chiefs gained over 100 yards or 400 yards in that game. Um, had like 26 first downs or something like that. So there's things in there that I, th I think can be exploited because, you know, with Andy Reid's offense and with Mahomes. So that, so that does worry me a little bit. But the Chiefs are not going to leave the door open like those other teams did, like the Packers did, like the Lions did. They're, they're most likely not going to do that. So this Niners defense, yeah, they have to play 60 minutes. None of this getting started in the second quarter or third quarter shit. Come out and dominate like you did in 2019 and take the game right. over. And what scares me the most is somebody that I think, you know, everybody's got their eyes on players. What scares me the most is Steve Spagnola. Yeah. Now let's mm -hmm. look at Steve Spagnola's track record. He's flummoxed two of the best offenses of all time in the Patriots, and he beat the San Francisco 49ers at the end of that game, right? And he's found a way to always stop high-powered offenses. A little bit of the Baltimore game was the fact that they just completely forgot what got them there, and Todd Monken said, run oh the ball, <laughs> throw it all oh, out. Like, you know, like, what, and then what? you have Zay yeah. Flowers fumbling at the goal line and, and, like, little weird stuff. I mean, hey, stuff like that's got to happen for you to win games, but... Steve Spagnola has been disguising his coverages so well where it looks like it's single high and it's like an amoeba defense where they're like mm -hmm. literally moving around and it's so many moving parts and it's it's hard to recognize where it's coming from. And that's what's really scaring me just a little bit. This chess match between Shanahan and Spagnola is probably the key to all this because I, I did a little digging myself when it came to, you know, obviously the Chiefs have problems with run defense and obviously the 49ers are a heavy 21 personnel group you know two two running backs which the second one is Kyle Juszczyk and a tight end mm -hmm. you know they they run the second most rushing attempts uh only behind Miami which I wonder you know where all that came from right um <laughs> and it's 194 attempts 1,008 yards 575 yards after contact five touchdowns and the Chiefs allow the second most yards facing 21 with 61 attempts 362 yards 223 yards uh after contact and 18 first downs but do you think Steve Spagnuolo is going to sit there and just say, hey, well, we can't stop the run. Let's just kind of hope that – like I think that there's going to be a opportunity here where you're going to see linebackers closer to the line. You're going to see the safeties move up a little bit because they are going to want Brock Purdy to make throws. So the chess match becomes do you run through those loaded boxes? Do you run against them trying to stop the run and get away from that? Or do you kind of turn into something that maybe Steve Spagnuolo wants you to do because LeJarrius Sneed is a dog on the outside? So that's the part that is a little bit troubling to me is like, what do you do? Who makes the adjustment? Who's the one who blinks first? Who abandons whatever game plan? Because this has to be a 25-30 touch Christian McCaffrey game. I, I love Absolutely. the quote movies Absolutely. and the water boy. 
<laughs> last game of the season. Can't leave, I can't hold anything back. Literally, there's no rest. There's nothing else. There's no other game after this. You're gonna make your money, Christian McCaffrey. Touch the ball thirty times. Give it to him till he pukes. But mm-hmm. I want to see what Spagnola does. I want to see how Shanahan goes, and I think that chess match is the most fascinating part of this game. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I I think this game only hinges on uh, Shanahan versus Spagnolo because you know, like I said, this this Chiefs offense is probably the worst offense that they've had under Patrick Mahomes. I think in his entire starting career, and you know, you look at what they did against the Ravens. You know, Andy Reid is very much like Kyle Shanahan, Bill Walsh, right? Like he loves to script his opening twenty five plays or however many it is. And you you watch that AFC Championship game, and they scored two touchdowns on those scripted plays. And then once the script was over, how many points did they score? Three. The rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Now again, the Ravens kick ass defense. I understand that. That's a great defense. But it also speaks to the fact that once you get out of Andy Reid's script, this offense still struggles to find itself and still struggles to to figure things out on the fly. And so, to me as long as you can weather those, those first 25 punches, if you will, um, I, th- I think the defense is going to, to be able to hold its own once they do that. So now the question becomes, can Kyle Shanahan go blow for blow with Steve Spagnuolo? And like you said, Jason, obviously the Chiefs are going to come in geared up to defend the run, but regardless of if you're geared up to defend the run or not, you also have to be good at defending the run, and the Chiefs aren't. And, and when it comes to zone runs, the Chiefs are 31st in the NFL in defending zone runs, and the 49ers are first in the NFL on yards per carry on zone runs. It's their bread and butter, and it's, it's, it's strength against weakness. And I think this is, as much as I would love to see Brock Purdy win a, a Super Bowl MVP just to really just stand up and, and, and grab his balls and be like, like, this is, I'm here, guys. I'm me. I'm here. This is, this is, this is my time. This, if the 49ers win this game, Christian McCaffrey is going to be Super Bowl MVP because he's going to put up a superhero like performance. And I just pray that Kyle Shanahan is ready for that. I, I, I want, I want 2019 NFC championship Kyle Shanahan. That's what I want to see in this game. I want to see him say, look, you know, we're going to run and we're still going to just kick your ass when we do it. And I, I think they're, I think they can, I genuinely believe they can because the chiefs can't stop the run. They're not good at it. And so I don't want to see the same game plan that he had against green Bay. I don't want to see the same game plan he had against Baltimore where he comes out and he's like, I need to prove that Brock. No, let's stop. What you need to prove is that you can win the super bowl and you're going to win the super bowl on the back of Christian McCaffrey let Christian McCaffrey just, you know, hop on his back and, and and carry the team because that is the biggest key to victory in this game for me. Yeah, I was I was pretty nervous about this Chiefs defense, and I still am. A defense that's only given up more than 21 points three times in 20 games this year. But I saw some stats about the Niners that really made me feel good, and I'll get to them right after this. Okay, so I'm going over these stats because, again, this defense scares the absolute shit out of me. There's <laughs> – really strong and I'm worried about Spagnola. Spagnola just disguising coverages and Brock maybe getting confused and he just, you know, he Brock almost gives a couple away one or two a game lately, you know, so eventually those guys are going to catch it. I'm a little bit worried about that, but I'm looking at the numbers. The Chiefs, okay, pass defense. They play man coverage. I read this on Bill from Bill Barnwell today. 
They played man coverage on 52.7% of their opposing dropbacks, which was the fifth highest rate of any team. And on third down, they actually jumped to 60.7%. The 49ers have averaged a 0.39 EPA per play versus man-to-man defense this season. The only offense that was better against that in the past decade were the 2020 Packers, which was an Aaron Rodgers MVP season, I think. Also, Jay, I think you brought it up, the 21 personnel from under center, the Niners' base package, okay, that's their bread and butter, right? Kansas City ranked 26th in rush rush defense success rate um, from runs under center this season. Now, QB scrambles were involved in that, um, but they were also 29th success rate against quarterbacks. You know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, you have those guys, but Purdy, Purdy can move a little bit too, man. And Spagnuolo likes the blitz, and Purdy and the Niners ranked first in QBR against unblocked rushers. Purdy's QBR was 85 against free rushers, and the league average is 44. So Purdy wow. really can take advantage of that. So as I'm looking at those numbers, I'm like, holy shit, maybe they do match up better than I thought they did. And the key is we brought up the Ravens. When I was watching some of those Ravens plays back, it looked like the Ravens got scared out of the run. Like, okay, they're they're loading the box. We're going to try to just throw now instead of just staying with it, staying with it. And who cares if you get two yards here and one yard here? You got to keep going with it. And I think that's the key, too. The Niners can't get scared out of that. And I agree. This has got to be a 30-touch McCaffrey game. He's the best, maybe arguably the best non-QB in the league. There is no tomorrow. He doesn't have to play the next week. He's going to have a long break. Give him the ball, like you guys said, until he pukes. And I think those are the keys. But this this Niners offense does match up a little bit better. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, I think the matchup looks pretty good on paper at play. And then the other keys are too, in, in the passing game, obviously, you know, Debo Samuel is so vital to this team. And we know that. Like, the, we, mm-hmm. we've seen this offense just completely become a shell of itself, even with Christian McCaffrey on the field when Debo Samuel leaves. He, he's got the edge. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time that I think that he's the real, like, attitude, like the the the, the engine, right? Like the, the straw that stirs the drink. But this has to be a Kittle game when you get him lined up against linebackers as well, too, when you want to throw the ball, right? Like, I think they're they're very poor there as well, too. So when you start to look at everything, everything lines up. But what Al said is perfect. You cannot get scared out of the run. Oh, it's it's a it's a big uh, it's a big box. Uh, you know what? Let's check out. That is what one. I'm sorry, they guys. Want. That's what one Jimmy Garoppolo did in the Super yes. Bowl. <laughs> he, he checked out of many runs. So for everyone to say, well, Kyle stopped running the ball. Kyle didn't want to stop running the ball. Jimmy said, "Uh oh, loaded box. Check. Let's throw." And then what happens? You, that's that's what and and that's what happened in Baltimore. Todd Monkin said, "You know what, man? Lamar Jackson shouldn't be, you know, throwing the ball forty times a game. We should stick to our guns." And then all of a sudden, in the AFC Championship game, you know what? I think I want Lamar Jackson to throw the football forty times. And then when things like that happen, everyone's like, "Well, why did that happen?" Well, it happened because you stopped running the ball. So again, just because they show you those fronts, just because those those boxes are loaded, you still have to show them that you are committed to it, that you are going to put it there, because then you can still run play action. This is really what the running game does. One, shortens the game. Two, keeps the Chiefs off the field. They're off offense, off the field. Tires Mm -hmm. out their defense so you can keep punching them. And three, obviously keeps your defense fresh, but keeps your play calling flexible because now you don't have to get pigeonholed into just throwing the ball or just, you know, like now you can do the play action. You can do all those things that Purdy's very good at. When you really start to suck in those linebackers and bring them up and those safeties start to come up and cheat a little bit. Now you've got those windows to throw the football in. And if you are running the ball successfully, even those little motions, 
they move a linebacker right out of the way of a yep. window for a throw to Brandon Ayuk. All of those things are vital for the 49ers to do. They just need to stick to what they can do and what they're good at. I don't want that. I don't want to see them like get scared out of it. And I was absolutely dead on when he said that, Brian. Yeah, I uh, I had the opportunity to interview Mark Schlereth earlier this week, and you know I asked him specifically about how wonky I felt like the game plans were offensively against Green Bay and against Detroit. And, you know, I asked him kind of what he thought, you know, whether Kyle would would recognize that and and get back to to their identity, which is running the ball. And, you know, he he gave an anecdote about uh, one of the seasons that he was in uh, Denver and they were uh, hosting, I think, a first round uh, playoff game against the Jaguars. And uh, he said that they did an install. This was a, a still a, a season where uh, Terrell Davis was there. And they did install on Monday, and by Wednesday, he said he got home, and and it was evening, and he was eating a dinner, and and wife, his wife was like, like, what's wrong? And he's like, I think I think we're gonna lose this game, and and he said that it was because you know they had they had absolutely developed their identity in we are a conversion team, we are gonna run the ball down your throat, we are going to just impose our will on you until you want to give up, and this game plan that we have. Uh, has so many checks out of runs if they give us specific looks that I'm afraid that we're going to get those looks and check out of the run, which is what we do best and, and, and get out of our game. And, and sure enough, they played that Jaguars team and they lost because they checked out of runs too much and they, they weren't able to, to lean into their identity. And so I think you're exactly right. You know, and, and to me, I, I, I want to say that sometimes Kyle outthinks himself, but like you said, in Super Bowl 54, it was Jimmy out thinking himself like, oh, hey, this is a loaded box. I just want to make sure that Kyle is in Purdy's ear saying, listen, I understand that we have these checks. We are running the ball. Do not check out of this. We are running the ball. And I think it is disheartening to a defense when you continue to just pound the rock at them to where eventually they're going to quit. And the best player they have on defense doesn't want to defend the run anyway. Chris Jones does not and will not defend the run. So the more you do it, the more you take their best player out of the game. And it just, again, increases your odds for success on offense. And so again, it is a it, shit. It's a, it's, it's a 45 carry party with McCaffrey and, and Mitchell. And maybe you give Mason some carry as well, right? Let's, let's have some 21 personnel where, you know, or 22 personnel where it's juice as a tight end Kittle as a tight end. And then you got McCaffrey and Mitchell in the backfield. Like what is, what is Kansas city going to do then? Right? Like I would love to see some creativity, but specifically creativity in the run game because the run game is going to win this game for the 49ers. All right, Jay, what's your prediction? Uh, I got the 49ers 28-24. No matter what, no matter what we say, when we go through these numbers and everything, there's still the one thing that is there. And it's Patrick Mahomes. And I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but I, I akin Patrick Mahomes to Steph Curry. A 10-point lead can evaporate like that. And there's going to be mm. a run. There's going to be a run, always. No matter how much. Steph might have, Steph might be down for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, you're going to get two of those long threes and an and one, and boom, your 10-point lead is now one. Now how do you respond? And I always think that there's always going to be a time where Andy and him click a little bit. And no matter how good your defense is, 
he's going to make some plays that are not in the playbook, that are not there because he is that special. And I think that it's very important to say that. So when I say 24 points, it's not because I'm scared that Patrick Mahomes is going to go all crazy the entire game. It's just he's going to have that run. He's going to turn into Steph for a little bit. He's going to hit a three. He's going to hit a long three. He's going to hit one from the logo. And you, how do you respond? But I still think at the end of the day, the 49ers can outlast them with their running game, and they have to stick to it to badger them the entire game and to protect the football and shorten the game and keep Kansas City off the field and limit those possessions as much, much as they can. Brian, what about you? Um, I was on uh, a Chiefs podcast yesterday, and I gave this prediction, so I'm going to keep it because I, I genuinely believe it. Uh, very similar to Jay, I think the 49ers win this game 27-24. Um, I genuinely believe this is a race to, to 24 uh, 27 to 24 makes it seem like the 49ers win this on a Jake Moody field goal. I do not believe that. Um, I believe that. <laughs> so in my mind, the 49ers are down 24, 20 at some point and score a touchdown to take the lead and then, and then hold off Patrick Mahomes in this chief's defense. Cause again, I don't believe that if this, if this game comes down to a Jake Moody field goal, I, I'm going to piss down my leg while I'm watching because I'm not, uh, I am I not too. ready for that. Uh, and so I, I do think that the 49ers have enough. It does feel like this is their season. Um, I, I, I do think Kyle is ready for this moment. I think the team is ready for this moment. I think Brock Purdy is ready for this moment. I, I, I one of the things I've gained confidence in Brock Purdy just by watching him handle this week at, at the Super Bowl, this media yeah, week where he is just well, man. looks like an absolute professional and, you know, he does not look like a second year player. And that gives me all the confidence in the world that this stage is not too big for him, that he is ready for it. Christian McCaffrey has been waiting for this moment. Trent Williams has been waiting for this moment. George Kittle is coming back with a motherfucking vengeance like he predicted uh, in in uh, Super Bowl 54. And I just feel like this team has more riding on this than the Chiefs do. And while I think for Patrick Mahomes, three and one sounds better than two and two, I don't think that's enough. And I just don't think they have the horses this year. And so, again, I think it's 49ers 27, uh, Chiefs 24. You know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world. So saying the Chiefs have the better quarterback isn't any big news. He's Nobody's as good as Mahomes. Chiefs have the better defense. Andy Reid might be the best coach in the league. Put all that together, the Niners defense hasn't been playing well. They've had really uneven games in the playoffs. How the hell can I pick the 49ers? Here's why I'm going to pick the 49ers. As stupid as this may sound to some people, like you guys alluded to, I just think it's their time. If not now, when? It, it, it just is this core group. They, this is It's just coming to a head. This is the year. I think they all know that. It's not going to be easy, but I think that they find a win. And I think, too, I think the score is going to be somewhere in the 20s for both teams. But, yeah, same. Niners are going to pull this out. And it's it's going to be it's, – it's not going to be easy. And we're going to be like – our heart's going to be going at the end, I think. But but I'm going to go with the Niners here, too. So um, before we get out of here, Brian, I know you had some things to say about Patrick Willis, who is up for the Hall of Fame here. Yeah, so we uh, we find out here in a, in a couple hours uh, whether or not Patrick Willis makes it in as a uh, – what is the category? It's uh, modern. Was it modern? I can't remember exactly the category. Um, but he is up for a uh, hall of fame, uh, induction. And it feels like, it feels like this is his year. Zach Thomas got in last year. Um, listen, I, there's just, there was such a, a run of sustained excellence from, from Patrick Willis that despite the fact that, that his, his career was on the shorter end, um, 
He was an all first team all pro five of his eight seasons. Um, you know, he made the Super Bowl. Um, he made three straight NFC championship games. Um, he was the captain of, of, of the best defense in the NFL while Harbaugh was here. Uh, he just is a, he, it's not a hall of fame if Patrick Willis isn't in it. And so, um, really crossing my fingers that, that he makes it in. And then, uh, and then, and then we move on to, uh, crossing our fingers again for Roger Craig next year. Yeah. So Willis, we talked to, I think it was Clark judge who told me this. He was a hall of fame voter. And he said that he looks, was he was one of the best one or two players at his position during his era. That's how he looks at hall of fame players. Yes. And Willis was a first team, all pro five times and a second team all pro once in eight years. Um, and that's certainly amongst the top two in your era. And his term, as far as shorter careers, Keekley only played eight years. He's up next yeah. year. He'll probably get in. Terrell Davis, Kelvin Johnson. It's a different era now with guys. You don't have to play 15 yeah. years to get in anymore. So I agree. I think this is his year, and especially with Keekley coming on the ballot, I think next year, right? I, yeah. I think his time is is now, and I, I think they're going to put him in. And I think Patrick Willis's case is the reason that people, you know, for some reason, don't want Frank Gore to be in, is peak and longevity, right? Longevity, Obviously, yeah. if, Great if, point. if, yeah. Frank Gore has played all these years and he deserves to be in just off the merit of that. But Patrick Willis's peak six time all pro made the pro bowl every single year when it kind of mattered a little bit more than everybody else. It, like, yeah, it did. We're talking about peak. We're talking about best players in the game. You cannot tell the story of the NFL without Patrick Willis being in there. And the same reason that you want to keep Frank Gore out because he never was the best. He never was better than Jamal Charles. He was never better than LT. He was never better than AP. It's the same reason that you should put Patrick Willis in. So make sure you have your argument straight. Absolutely. All right, Jay, tell everybody where they can find you, buddy. Yeah, thank you guys again, man. It's always a blast, man. I'm just, my heart's starting to race now. You guys got me a little bit nervous now. I've been chilling all week, and now I'm already already starting to stress. (laughs) I have that effect on people. Yeah, hey, look, you know what? It's it's time for me to pour an adult beverage so I can settle down just a little bit. But yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Jason Aponte 2103. Um, I write daily on NinersNation.com. Um, yeah, Sprint Right Option Podcast will be at the Underdogs Cantina on Sunday. You can catch us there, Bully Ball on Gold Standard Podcast Network, and uh Jason Aponte on YouTube. Thank you guys, man. As always, um, love you guys so much. Anytime that you guys ever need me, shout out to David. Um, and uh yeah, 49ers Web Zone alum, man. I love uh, getting together with you guys. Appreciate you, Love man. It. All right, everybody, Absolutely. enjoy the game. For Brian, I'm Al. Later. Nine zero three. One zero three. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 